0: You're listening to the Gov Future podcast, highlighting discussions and insights around innovative technology impacting the public sector. Hear from experts working with and inside the government on ways that technology is shaping the future of the public sector. On this episode, we talk to Jennifer Storm Jenkins, who serves in the Bureau of Information Resource Management at the U.S. Department of State. She is currently the technology director for the Center for Analytics for the department. She shares how analytics and AI are impacting decision-making processes, leveraging emerging technologies to make more informed decisions, and how the department is collaborating with other agencies and governments to share information and leverage technology. Stay tuned.
1: Hello and welcome to the Gov Future podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walch. And I'm your host, Ron
2: Schmelzer. And thanks again. We have so many great episodes of the Gov Future podcast queued up. So if you have not yet subscribed to Gov Future podcast, you should, because there you got interviews with thought leaders across federal, state, local, international government. And of course, you should listen to some of the ones we've already recorded with great interviews, also some thought leaders and some additional things to consider across the range of innovative technology. Of course, can't go five minutes without talking about AI, but there's more to innovation than the AI. We have analytics and big data cloud and cyber stuff happening with automation stuff with IT modernization just so much happening so please uh we are if you this is your first time listening to gov future podcast just know this is the place to listen to how governments are adopting transformative technology and hear some great conversations on key topics to help you our listeners and gov future members learn the latest innovations and best practices to stay ahead of innovation in the public sector
1: And for those of you who are not familiar with our GovFuture community, GovFuture is the fastest growing community of government innovators. You can learn more at GovFuture.com, and we'll link to that in the show notes as well. You know, as Ron mentioned, we have a very diverse audience, which is why we love this so much. And our community is made up of a very diverse community as well. So we try and bring thought leaders and folks from different agencies at all levels of government so we really can get that holistic perspective of what's going on. And for today's podcast, we're excited to have with us Jennifer Storm Jenkins, who serves in the Bureau of Information Resource Management at the Department of State. She's currently the Technology Director for the Center for Analytics, which provides the analytics platform capabilities for the department. So welcome, Jennifer, and thanks so much for joining us today.
3: Thanks so much for having
1: me. We're really excited for today's discussion. So we'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and what you do at the U.S. Department of State.
3: Thank you. Um, So like you said, my name is Jennifer Strom Jenkins, and I serve as the technology director for the Department of State's Office of Management Strategy and Solutions Center for Analytics, which provides all of the analytics uh, platform capabilities for the department. Technically, I work within the Bureau of Information Resource Management, which we call IRM, which has built a strong partnership with the Center for Analytics. uh, So much so that um, IRM employees like myself are integrated into the Center for Analytics Technology Division. As the department's technological data and analytics maturity grows, uh, data users, data scientists, and analysts require uh, more mature and comprehensive tools, infrastructure, um, and analytics solutions. So together, the Center for Analytics and IRM provide a holistic ecosystem that enables interoperability and cost savings both to the department and to the U.S. taxpayer.
2: That's fantastic, and I, and I know that you know uh, when we hear about the State Department and what people are doing, and of course, all the things that our, our foreign folks are working, the dignitaries, and all the folks who are involved in foreign service, we don't necessarily think of technology, uh, but you know we think of relationships, which of course is what a lot of this is—is is about building relationships. But of course, we are in the modern era, and so much is dependent on building good relationships, having good data, and having good systems. So I do want to dig into it because. You know, maybe you can bring us into our listeners into the picture of talking about how the adoption of advanced analytics and more data-centric processes and perhaps even AI are impacting decision-making processes and maybe a little more of the scope of, of what you do there uh, in that context.
3: Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, the department is really committed to increasing its capacity to build and scale mission-driven Uh, data analytics tools, and that includes AI. Uh, We consider it another tool in our diplomatic toolbox. Um, We really look to position ourselves to implement advanced techniques. Um, We're tackling foundational issues like data acumen and data management, as well as many other instances of data analytics applied to our most important mission areas. Um, For us, this really began with the creation of the Center for Analytics in January 2020. Um, Our chief data officer, Matthew Gravis, uh, serves as the department's first ever chief data officer, and under his leadership, the Center for Analytics developed state's first ever enterprise data strategy. Um, And Our strategy implementation really takes a unique approach. Uh, We focus on top priorities through what we call uh, data campaigns. Uh, We bring together data science, data management, communications, and other resources every six months, um, and we run two concurrent data campaigns one that's mission focused and one that's management focused um, on a kind of a themed priority. And the goal we have there is really for a dedicated cross-functional team to produce uh, substantive results quickly, which allow us to deliver solutions um, to as many as a dozen relevant department priorities. And really over a three year period, um, we've seen these campaigns be able to really deliver on those department priorities. Um, For example, we've zeroed in on um, results through um, the strategic competition with the People's Republic of China. We focused on cybersecurity, multilateralism, climate, and global operations. Um, Our work in the management priority uh, really focused on diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. Uh, This resulted in the department's first ever interactive demographic baseline report, um, a, a dashboard and our first ever demographic data policy. So, these achievements have really helped uh, inform and promote accountability in recruiting and retaining a diverse workforce. And it was a really critical step um, for us to ensure the department's workforce reflects the diversity of America. So, you know, all of these examples make clear uh, that data is not just a backup office function for us. Data is really essential to the fundamental work of diplomacy and a critical instrument of diplomacy. Uh, The department is really transforming into a data-centric organization where data-informed diplomacy is a paramount and routine practice in the way we do our work.
1: All right. Well, that's great to hear. And we always love when, you know, our uh, interviewees provide examples. We're big on that. One thing that I think anybody listening to this podcast knows is that the government has a lot of data. In fact, many organizations have data, and it continues to grow at an astounding rate. So, specifically, how is the Department of State leveraging emerging technologies to gain insights from data and help make more informed decisions?
3: Absolutely. Um, so, I guess first, you know, in the area of artificial intelligence, we are adopting and scaling um, the use of artificial intelligence to inform practice management of diplomacy um, and provide insights that drive diplomacy at the highest levels. Um, Just earlier this year, um, you know, the Center for for Analytics led the drafting of the department's first ever um, what we call Foreign Affairs Manual. So FAM chapter on AI, which is 20FAM 201 if you want to look it up, Um, it's now available to the public on the state.gov website. So you can indeed read it. Um, But the FAM outlines um, articles and principles to guide applied AI at the department. It establishes a yearly AI inventory to document AI use cases. Um, this is also an OMB requirement. It explains the role of the responsible AI official at the at the agency at the department, um, and at the Department of State, that that official is the Chief Data Scientist in the Center for Analytics. Um, and then finally, you know, we really focused on principles to guide uh, applied AI at the department, prioritizing um, you know values such as equity, private privacy, respect for civil liberties. And the policy also references um, some tools our teams are developing to help AI practitioners keep their work consistent with the relevant executive orders that are coming out. Um, this spam policy also distributes AI governance responsibilities to individual bureaus. Um, and it also you know, continues to offer the Center for Analytics as a resource who can help bureaus establish uh, the governance structure as requested. Um, we use a series of directives, especially Executive Order 13960, which lay out the path we need to take uh, when it comes to applied AI, including design, development, deployment, and use of AI. Um, and I guess, you know, lastly, just to share an example, one example of our AI use is a prototype platform um, that we built to derive insights from millions of diplomatic cables at scale using machine learning. Um, this helps the department make fuller use of our most important and novel data set, uh, which is on the ground reporting from our worldwide network of diplomatic posts.
2: Yeah, that's really very informative and very, you know, obviously what you want to do with data is not just understand kind of where things are, but where things are going right? Try to do as best as you can. People are not necessarily the most predictable things, but uh, with enough data, you can make informed guesses, which is what a lot of this is all about, and also help inform policy making and decision-making around things like, you know, what's happening in the environment, what's happening in the economy, what's happening with people, right? These are all <laughs> amazing things that we can do with great data. You can do some amazing things. So we're clearly a believer of that. And I know our audience and listeners are as well. So i um, talking a little bit about the global nature, because that's one of the interesting things about uh, this particular part of the government, this agency agencies that we're dealing with the, the context of the world as a whole. How do you collaborate uh, not only with these international governments and international agencies, but also within the United States, the other federal agencies to leverage technology, maybe data sharing, um, maybe some of the things you're doing to enhance the, the work that you're doing?
3: Certainly. Yeah. And a short answer, we we collaborate with all parties um, and have a couple examples of each. So, you know, within the department, we generate much of the data um, that we need to drive diplomacy through informed decisions. Um, Recognizing the value of our own data and the part it plays in making decisions um, is what makes data sharing successful within the Department of State um, so that we can use that data effectively. Um, From an interagency perspective, we participate in organizations such as the Federal Chief Data Office of Council, which serves as a really central venue for knowledge sharing and benchmarking with other agencies' best practices. Uh, This helps us provide lessons for our own endeavors. And then, you know, once a precedent is set in a federal agency, it's much easier to make the argument um, or to, you know, put the practice into place at our own agency. So we found great value in shared projects across the federal government with partners such as the US Agency for International Development, the Department of Defense and Homeland Security, among others. Uh, So the more we can do to collaborate with partners, agencies on day-to-day operations, the better positioned we are to collaborate in times of crises, uh, ensuring that the interagency is unified uh, in its whole of government approach to utilizing data. From an international perspective, uh, data diplomacy is not just arming our data's our diplomats with information to make evidence-based decisions, but it's also our data SMEs and data leadership engaging with international allies and discussing things like our journey to stand up the Center for Analytics, creating an enterprise data strategy, and how we are implementing that strategy along with the best practices for strengthening data and technology use in the government environment.
2: That sounds great. Now, one of the things that we have had some some experience with is that Uh, State Department's been very involved, even with some of these AI efforts overseas, the OECD, uh, Organization for Economic and uh, Development, I forgot the C part. Maybe you could can... <laughs> OECD cooperation, oh, <laughs> maybe cooperation. There you go. <laughs> Yikes! Um, I know that State Department's been very involved, in part, on some of the issues of of uh, responsible and ethical use uh, of AI. I mean, is there anything that, that maybe you you know about or can share with our listeners about sort of how how involved uh, State is there, or kind of kind of how those efforts may be informing our own uh organizational efforts here in the United States in terms
3: of ai ai use sure uh, you know like i like i mentioned earlier we're um certainly working closely with our um you know our other government agency partners um with the white house uh you know as um directives and mandates you know come out we have the opportunity to you know provide feedback or uh, receive that guidance and make sure that we're implementing it um, uh, correctly, so you know we're really um, proactively engaged on those executive orders as they come out, and then also really closely working with um, you know all of the bureaus and offices across the department to make sure that we have a policy in place um, that is really tackling responsible use of AI. Um, and as I mentioned before, you know we worked uh, you know really hard on that um, that first chapter of you know for us the Foreign Affairs Manual is kind of our uh, our our guidance when it comes to policy and guidance. Um, so that that 20FAM 201 that I referenced, you know, that's really going to be the path and the vehicle for us to continue updating that guidance that we have um, within the department. You know, as we continue to get that guidance from, um, it, you know, the executive orders from the White House, from other governance agencies in uh, the federal government as well.
1: Right. So earlier, you know, I had talked about data and just the vast sheer quantities of data that we have and how we're using it to leverage and gain insights, which is great. But as we're doing that, we also need to make sure that we are, I mean, understanding the data and using it responsibly. So how are you handling data privacy and security to ensure the responsible use of data, Um and that you know you're using and maintaining it, uh, the confidentiality of it.
3: Absolutely. Um, so we, we kind of think about this across uh, a, a couple of different um, domains. You know, tackling the strategy, the platforms, the actual data sh- uh, sharing process, and then you know specific to the department, um, the uh, the campaigns that I mentioned before. Those really serve as an avenue for us to be able to um, uh, you know work with uh, the complexity of data we have. Um, so, you know, first, the Department of State's enterprise data strategy really lays out five guiding principles for our people to consider in everyday decisions about data. Uh, shared and secure are two of the five principles. Um, this means that both are equally critical to the success of data in our strategy and the department's data writ large. From a platform perspective, um, each of the data assets are available on data.state. This is the department's data inventory and catalog, and they are equipped with metadata that Uh, guide secure access and provisioning to certain users with specific roles. So each of the platform services provided through Data.State technology stack really empower users through self-service data, increasing data access to authorized users, while also allowing product owners to set up uh, access limitations where required. Uh, Generally, we're working to move more data into the cloud so that we can enable uh, data access, but we want to do it right. Uh, And that means working closely with our partners in technology and security bureaus to make sure that we set up the most appropriate security controls uh, and that we effectively monitor our data. Uh, Within the data sharing process, um, we work to clearly articulate the need to access the data and we collaborate openly uh, with the offices charged with protecting it uh, so that we can ensure that data is properly understood and used responsibly. Uh, We also work with human capital and privacy specialists across the department to ensure that any and all precautions are met. Um, And then finally, I mentioned those campaigns earlier. Um, We conduct a cyber-focused data campaign um, where we really brought together all of the the cyber uh, and data uh, folks together. And we had a lot of shared goals like standardizing tagging, creating better access to real-time data, and expanding access to things like log data. Um, and although the motivations for these goals were different, our collaboration resulted in a secure and creative solution to one of our biggest data problems at the department.
1: All right. Well, thanks for all these insights. This has been such a great podcast. You know, and as I mentioned, we do want to get folks from different organizations, all talking together. That's the goal of Gov Future and our community, you know, to really bring the innovation community together from all angles. So this has been such a great podcast. But before we wrap up, we like to ask all of our guests the same question because no matter how many times we ask it, we always get different perspectives because you get to bring in you know, perspectives from your own agency, from your own experiences, and we love to see how people answer this question. So from your perspective, what do you see or hope to see as the future of technology and innovation in the government?
3: Sure, so I mean, technology and innovation are going to continue to be key priorities in the government. Um, what I really hope to see is even greater culture change around those topics. Um, developing a culture that values data, knows how to use it, knows where to find it. Um, And that can be challenging in such a large and diverse organization. Um, At State, we've created programs such as the Bureau Chief Data Officer Program where data leadership is really injected um, into the bureaus across the department. Uh, We've also worked on the post data program, which is cultivating a data fluent workforce in our embassies and our consulates worldwide. We're also making Great strides in recruiting data scientists uh, at the mid level and bringing in diverse skills and capabilities to the department. Um, you know, CFA also hosts data and technology focused events that attract thousands of department employees. We partner with the Foreign Service Institute on six data focused courses uh, to help prepare our diplomats with a foundation of data skills and resources. We've also expanded data offerings uh, in a number of non technical areas. We provide data briefings um, within these courses. Uh, to, you know, really give knowledge officers the information they need, uh, the tools, the resources, the products, um, things that they have available to them to strengthen their acumen. Um, And so overall, I think, you know, we're really lucky that the Department of State has embraced technology and innovation since its inception. Um, I'm excited to see what the next few years are going to look like with emerging technology landscape we're encountering today and just continuing to make, um, you know, data and uh, data literacy are a really strong part of our work, our culture, um, and using data to inform, inform diplomacy.
2: Absolutely. Well, we are definitely believers in the power of good use of data. Of course, data quality matters. You know, as you have to say, you can't always be in control of the data we have. Sometimes we have to make the best use of what we have. Sometimes it's incomplete. Actually, often it's incomplete, inaccurate, full of issues and biases and all that sort of stuff. But that's what makes uh, all of us uh, that's why it's a profession. <laughs> and that's why it's a practice. And that's why there are best practices. So we could definitely go on for a while. And I li- want our listeners to know that we're spending a lot of our time, not just here on the podcast, but also in person at our GovFuture Forum events that we do on the third Thursday of every month at George Mason University, where we have both a hot topic panel and data and analytics continues to be those hot topics. We address them all the time, as well as demos. So if you're in town and you want to see some great demos, come to the Gov Future, uh forum event and you will hear that. And then also, um, I want our listeners to know that we're also doing a lot more of this online too both in terms of uh, the, the uh, demos online and panels online, and maybe some other opportunities uh, to bring our community together to address some of the great issues around data, maybe even next generation data sharing. But enough about that. This is You're here to listen to our podcast. I really just want to be a, a big thank you uh, to Jennifer for to, to sharing all this great insight. We know that it took effort to put the, together a lot of the thoughts. And of course, we had a clear through press office and all that stuff we got to do. And and I think it's just fantastic that you can share this insight with our uh Go Future Podcast audience.
3: Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed being on and chatting with you. Um, and you know excited to hear you host your events at George Mason. Um, I am a proud George Mason alum so um happy to hear of that as well and really appreciated the the time to to chat with you all today about what we're doing at the department.
1: Great. Yeah. And, you know, George Mason has been a wonderful partner, and we've worked with a lot of alums from there. So good to hear you're one as well. Listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. We also love to hear from our listeners as well. So reach out, we're available. And if you're not already a member of GovFuture, you should consider joining to take advantage of all that the community has to offer, including access to a diverse network of government innovators, also opportunities to collaborate with government agencies, exclusive access to events and resources and a platform in shaping the future of government innovation. So if you're interested in learning more, you can go to govfuture.com join. We also have a very robust resources tab. Mm-hmm. So we encourage you to check that out as well. We'll make sure to link to it in the show notes, but you can go to govfuture.com resources, and it provides a uh, you know, some of the things that Ron had mentioned earlier, access to some of the uh, websites and all of that stuff, but, uh, you know, or the, uh, you know, online events and our tools directory and just a ton of resources. So again, go to govfuture.com slash resources to check it out. And we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. So again, thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you at the next podcast.
0: To view this episode's show notes, find additional episodes, subscribe to this podcast, and join the fastest-growing community of government innovators, go to govfuture.com slash podcast. This sound recording and its contents are copyrighted GovFuture, all rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod. Thanks for listening to the GovFuture podcast, and catch you at the next episode.